Welcome to this latest edition of the Delivery Profits brought to you by the Delivery World together with Avico. I'm Peter Backman and today, together with John Botticello and our special guest Shireen Ritchie, we'll talk about delivery in general and ways to make it accessible and profitable. And no doubt we'll get onto other topics too as we try to get a deep understanding of the forces shaping this rapidly evolving sector. We're so grateful for all of you out there who tune in regularly for this podcast. Without you, we're just a bunch of guys and gals talking to each other in a recording studio. If you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. Your ratings and reviews mean the world to us and help more people discover our content. Plus, it's the best way to show your appreciation for the hard work the Delivery World team, the Avico team, and our fabulous guests put into each and every episode. So, go ahead, hit that five-star button, and let's get started with today's fantastic episode. Happy New Year then, Peter. And a Happy New Year to you, John. Did you have a nice Christmas New Year celebrations? It was quite quiet for my wife and myself. Our next-door neighbours on both sides have gone away my sister, whom I often spend time with, was up walking in the Lake District and didn't want me because they only had a small apartment and it was raining and our children were away. But we had a good time anyway. We enjoyed it. It was just nice and relaxing. It's always the best way. Nice, relaxing, some good food and drink. It's, uh, it's how the celebration should be, isn't it? I think so. Some people like high energy, excitement, that's uh, me. That's me. Yeah, yeah. And well, you've got kids, kids as yeah, well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, my grandchildren were around the world in Italy and the United States, so I didn't get to see them. Definitely. Tell you what else um, I found. We're in January, and it used to, if you think about it, they used to have the January sales. Um, everyone used to go, and all the clothes shops did it. Now it happens before Christmas. But I like to see our sector is uh, doing a January sale. I was in a brand last week with 30% off. I'm at the Alchemist tomorrow. They have 40% off their menu. Isn't it great that these brands are working with consumers to make sure the restaurants are buzzing in January, which is always, always a quiet month? Yes. Um, the um, I'll be nerdy about this. The um, ONS in the UK did a survey of consumers, um, uh, of operators, just before Christmas and asked them what they thought January would be like, uh, would it be slow? And although although the vast majority did expect it to be slow, the people who did were, were double the number of last year. Uh, sorry, were, were half the number of last year. So the, the industry is expecting a good January, and let's hope that that turns out to be the case. Yeah, let, let's hope we could have a solid 2024 and just uh, get back to what is normal, as you often say. I I agree, but I think that's probably time uh, to get that uh, get the show on the road. So let me set the scene with some additional thoughts that we can all discuss and perhaps pull apart. People are what, perhaps I should say, who make the world go round. While that's pretty obvious, it's important to recognise that without the correct understanding of quote, people, unquote, who they are, what they think, their fears and beliefs, and much more, without knowing these things, interactions between people are going to go wrong. Maybe not critically, or maybe they do. It depends on the context. 
This applies in interactions between people on a day-to-day basis and in their personal lives. But importantly for my argument, it equally applies when organisations interact, whether they're corporations, social organisations like football clubs or or nations, because each of these is composed of people. This has been the reality since, well, since forever. So how much is being changed by the little screen on my phone, your phone, everybody's phone? A story commonly told about this new, well, 15-year-old phenomenon is that it removes the human from interactions, and a conclusion would flow from this if it were true. It's that the nature of human interactions is changed because each human, by interacting with a screen, by scrolling through a list, by swiping left, by using a keyboard, is no longer interacting with a human being, but with a thing. And this therefore changes how we communicate with each other in ways that may be subtle or they may be overt. Note that I'm not not arguing that this is so, but maybe it is. Anyway, I don't want to go any further down this amateur psychology route because I am, it's pretty obvious, no psychologist. But I think it's worth pondering how this new human interaction paradigm, if true, changes the way we think about and consume food which, as a former food scientist, I do know something about. Food is, of course, one of the necessities of life. In one sense, it can't be changed. We need to ingest proteins, carbohydrates, minerals, vitamins, and much else. Our needs for these things are fixed. But the ways of combining them, whether in a steak or a cream cake, whether in a restaurant or at home, whether we make it ourselves or have it delivered, all of these things are up for constant change and the little screen has a major influence in making us make these changes and it has a lot to answer for and that leads on to the subject of delivery and I especially note here that delivery is where corporations some small some not so small interact both with people and with other corporations which are as I've already pointed out populated with people I have some questions about this To what extent is it, that's delivery, a little screen thing that distances us from human interactions? And if those human interactions are removed, are there other parts of the delivery service where human interaction is evident and maybe more evident than in the world of actual restaurants? I think I know the answers. They're basically in the negative, but that shouldn't stop us from asking the questions and then strive to provide answers where people are centre stage once again, not only because it's good for the soul, but that's where people should be, so that once again, they can make the world go round. So, John, I don't know if that's um, too introspective or whether people really are important. It was definitely a statement there, Peter. Um, I think you've got both to look at. You've got the the positive and the negative, and I'm going to do the people piece first, and it, it's around people. People love people. It's about human beings spending time with each other. So you go to a restaurant, you have food, you have drink, the interacting of um, a waiter taking your order, someone coming and taking a drink's order. That's all the piece that we've spoke about many a times, the experience. That should never go away. But actually, for delivery, does that little screen help? Because delivery is often around convenience, People aren't getting a delivery just because, hey, I'm going to have a delivery. There's a, there's a reason for a delivery. 
is it they can't leave their home, they can't leave their office. So it's a convenience. So by having a screen and a phone and a app, they can order exactly what they want as part of their life, that be for lunchtime, for an evening date night. It gives them every option. The food's delivered, and then they can have their experience as such at home or in the office. So the, the screen is important, but it still comes down to people because someone builds that app, someone cooks the food, someone delivers the food, there's someone in finance that's counting the beans that everything goes through that screen. So, yes, positives and negatives, but people are key to everything. Um, right, I think we're agreed on that. And it's probably the time to um, introduce our guest, um, Shireen. Um, Shireen Ritchie, who is the CEO of Buns From Home. And you may want to tell us just a little bit more about that as well, um, about what your role is. Um, but, Shireen, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Happy New Year. And Happy thank you. The same to you. And have I said, or has John said anything that um, you perhaps disagree with or whether there's anything you would like to add to it? Um, no, I don't think there's anything I disagree with. But I think a lot of it is about perspective. And I think you made a really good point, John, when you talk about um, the, the role that the screen plays. So my first memory of delivery was being really young, watching The Simpsons every Friday night. And Domino's used to sponsor The Simpsons. So whenever it come on the adverts, I'd be like, Mum, please, please, can we order? And if I was allowed to, we'd probably... Um, an adult was being an adult now, it would tell me probably payday had happened. Then mum was like, yeah, of course you can. So I'd pick the phone up and I'd ring and then I'd wait and then it would turn up. And that was my first memory of delivery. And it was such a treat. It was, it was not normal. Like I didn't get a delivery every week. It was maybe a monthly thing. And it was something that's really, really special. And I think when you fast forward now, you know, 30, 35 years, it's, it's now just part of normal society. I think delivery will always play a role um, in our world. And my very first job at TGI Fridays, I was 15 years old. And on my second day, um, I, I used to clean tables. I wasn't old enough to do anything else. Um, someone come in and said, oh, can I get some Jack Daniel ribs to take away? And that was one of the most expensive things on the menu. And I remember going, what do you mean? Like, what do you mean take away? And they were like, like, we want to take it away. And I was like, oh, I don't think we do that. And then the manager came over and was like, yeah, yeah, we do. And we gave them this manky polystyrene box and they paid full price for these ribs. And I was like, why would you do that? And I couldn't connect because to me, you had, you know, McDonald's and Domino's and they were takeaway. And then you had restaurants that were very, very different from takeaway. Why would they ever entwine with each other? And again, fast forward. Um, and now you couldn't imagine a restaurant not doing delivery and not servicing that. Right, it it would be a bit weird. Hundred um, percent. It interestingly, you used the word normal and abnormal, normal and not normal at the beginning, and if it becomes normal and every day, it you it gets to a point where you don't actually think about it and you just do it. Um, is that better? Is it more conducive to encouraging people in this context? Um, to order delivery um, because it's normal because you just do it or is it a, a special is it a treat is it like Christmas um, is, is that a, a better way of of approaching something like delivery I think you'll get 
um, it's normalised now. I think the livery is normalised, especially in big city centres, you know, where you've got your big players, Uber, Deliveroo, you know, Justy. It's all over the, the TV advert. It's normalised now. But what an operator can do, and I think what will differentiate the good from the great, is make it a special occasion. You know, the best delivery I've ever had when I think back at the many deliveries that I've had, I remember ordering from Meat Liquor and I got the most beautiful box and it was like this whole unboxing ceremony of this beautiful burger and I almost didn't want to eat it. And I mean, it was amazing that the burger was hot and it was delicious and it, and it was wonderful as well. That helped. But I think operators are now focusing and I think the best operators are focusing on how do you make it experiential in someone's lounge? Because everyone is after experiential activities now. You know, there isn't a bar that isn't opening that hasn't got some kind of shuffleboard or clay pigeon shooting or bowling. And, and it's amazing. And it's making everyone really think about the whole experience. It's more than just food and drink now. But how can you do that when you're delivering? How can you give an experience in someone's front room? Interestingly, you mentioned Meat Liquor there. And I, I was just thinking, Shereen, of... You, you look at the brands that you say are great or exceptional. So Scott Meatlick has nailed it with the delivery, yeah? with the unpackaging. Absolutely. It's an experience. The guys at Dishube have done the same. Absolutely. Smashed it because you get the food that you would get in a restaurant at home. But it's uh, it's this big experience that you'd have in a restaurant you're having in food delivery. If you look at both of those examples, and there are many more we could talk about, they are where they still have their leaders very much involved in their business rather than being owned by a multi-brand operator. You know the ones yeah, that do it true. well. I think, I think it's really true. Another one talks more, you know, we were yeah. very much involved. And again, anything from walks around delivery is just very, very special when you when you receive it. And I think, you know, when you look there is no other part of a business that could be ten to what, forty percent of revenue. And there are businesses, some big businesses that don't have dedicated teams. They're, they're, you know, the ball, for whatever reasons, don't put the, the money behind it to say, actually, let's, let's invest in this. And there's no other area of business in hospitality that I could think could be such a huge slice of the pie that is so underinvested in overall. And I think what you're seeing is when these startups are coming out, and I'm in a startup, uh, we have 12 sites now, Buns from Home. Um, some, some startup. So I'm a startup. I know, I know. We started in COVID, for anyone that doesn't know. Um, Barney, our founder, um, who moved back in with his mum, baked some beautiful buns, showed his mum. She showed the neighbours. The neighbours showed Instagram. And then here we are a couple of years and 12 sites later, and we are baking the world over one bun at a time. Um, So, but we are a startup in the sense of, I think our mentality, we will always try and keep that startup mentality. But what's really important is when you're looking at how do you become successful? And I think it's more than bricks and mortar now. You can't just be a bricks and mortar transactional brand. You have to be a lifestyle brand. You know, that's why we see delivery. You see people investing in dark kitchens. You see retail. You see cookbooks. You know, you see all the different aspects. And you can touch people's lives in so many different ways and be a constant. And that's definitely something that we're focusing on. So we launched our first cookbook in September. So, you know, by September, it's going to be the gifts that you're buying or it's going to be on your coffee table or it's going to be what you do with your children at the weekend. And then you're going to come into town and you're going to, you know, get a bun for breakfast with some beautiful coffee. Then you're going to give some buns, you know, to your, your mother-in-law. And it's just how can you always be part of people's journey? 
And delivery is a huge part of that. And it isn't just delivery to the homes now, I think, especially in city centres. It's delivery, you know, on the corporate level. And when you look at Sweet Green in America and this huge valuation when they IPO'd, that was from their outposts, which was corporate delivery. You know, it was all focused around how can you deliver and just be the slickest operation at doing it. So I think delivery is here to stay. It's never going to go away. It's just how does it evolve and we will help build that evolution and we need to guide it in the right way. So going back to my earlier point, um, that people are important, is is it going to succeed? I'm When I say it, is delivery going to succeed uh, only if it engages with people, if it makes people, when they consume the food, feel that they are actually part of whatever it is they're, they're receiving, just like you do in a restaurant, do you get, do you try to encourage that exact same um, feeling when you're at home? I think we absolutely should. And I think it should be something that we're championing. Now, there's always going to be good delivery and bad delivery. And you're never, no matter how polished you are, always going to get it right. But I think you need to be able to raise the bar. You know, we've just come for a turbulent few, few years and, and we were talking before we started recording that it's been a really strong December. A lot of people are seeing a really strong December, but even when before, when the sales wasn't quite there, the winners were still winning. The best in class was still winning. So my advice to any leaders is be best in class. Don't, you know, just let it grow organically. Don't just think, ah, it's just a side arm of the business. If you invest in it and you focus on it, not only do you then, you know, insist that everyone else has to raise their game and they have to be better or they get left behind. So you will get the groups of people that will invest and be better and you'll get the groups of people that will just let it grow organically and won't maximise the potential and the opportunity. But people will always be important and there is always going to be a place for restaurants and experiences. Uh, I would I would, I would, not want to be in a world where that wasn't the case. But delivery also does play a role because now rather than popping to the shops and cooking, delivery is the new normal. Delivery is the new shopping, however you want to interact with it. So... I don't think it takes the place of restaurants. I just think we offer an additional service to the, the change in lifestyle that people are in. True, I want to just take you back to, like you were saying, Buns is a startup. Okay. How are you changing the world of delivery with your experience that you had from Leon um, to make sure Buns at Home are oh, that corporate one? You're winning those corporate contracts, the meetings, the afternoon snacks. How are you going about that? Because Surely it's a big part of your business. Yeah, it's a huge part and it's a massive focus this year. First of all, it's really understanding what people want and not assuming. Um, we are a sweet treat brand. So we're different from it, Leon. In Leon, everyone will eat burgers and fries. And my goodness, trying to get fries hot. Um, so, <laughs> Tell me about that one. <laughs> uh, We could do a whole podcast. Oh, no. How do you get fries? It's the biggest hot. question. I'm, I've said this before. <laughs> Working for is the biggest question I ever get. How do you get hot and crispy fries? Well, super crunch, but that's another day. But <laughs> that is another day. But I, well, literally, I, could, I, I have PTSD from trying to get <laughs> um, fries to people hot. So I, I have the beautiful opportunity now. I don't need to worry about hot fries. So it's, it's how do people want them? And for us, it's very much unboxing. We are a sweet treat. You get something that is really wholesome. Our mission is to bring joy. And we mean that in the truest sense. Um so we want people to feel really special. We want people to order from us and be it whether it's corporate, whether it is 
um, you know, order into a hospital bed or whether it's order into your home, we, we want it to be special. So we are doing a whole project at the moment around packaging and that unboxing and planning it in. How can we make it special at different occasions? How can we cater for that? What do people want? Um, and just making sure that the corporate side isn't forgotten. Because I see so many people be like, oh, when we're delivering to homes, you know, team write little notes and they, they put it on the Berber box. And you see all these beautiful pictures on TikTok and Instagram where the team have just written a note like saying, have a lovely Saturday evening. You know, here's a free cookie or, or here's some free fries because we've made too many. And that makes someone's evening. So how can we do that? But not just on a on a us to someone's home. How can we do that when it's a business that's ordering, you know, from us? When Ralph Lauren have contacted us and said, can you cater for us? And we go, yeah, of course we can. You know, how can we make them feel special? But if you institutionalise this, I I'll call it note, notes and, and leaving um, uh, small sort of cookies or whatever, if you institutionalise that and it's all written down in the, in the, the process manual... Um, doesn't it all go um, wrong? Doesn't it all just sound, seem institutional? Um, does it lose the personal aspect? You've just said that, Peter, the personal aspect. And this comes back to what you said at the very beginning. It's people. Ensuring you have people in your team and people make the difference. They're sending out that cookie, the free fries, because actually it's that full process of kindness, being yep. kind. Uh, as James Round told us around... The tipping, it's about just being kind. Well, yeah, my, my my point here is I get that absolutely, but if it's institutionalised and it says, and now add the whatever, yeah. does it go down the, the hole of becoming just, you know, just it part of the head? almost slightly, does it make it insincere? Yes. Is it that actually yeah. it isn't a thought through kind, you know, giving? It's, it's just so you've been told to do that, so you do that. So... Look, I think that actually comes back to a more macro level of culture. Now, I'm a big believer that culture and values are not something you write on your office wall. They're not something that are in a manual. They're something that you need to live in. It starts with the leadership team and it has to trickle through. So if you truly have a culture of like-minded people that, that want to bring joy, for instance, when we're talking about buns, they want to make people's day. They're not changing the world. You know, we're, we're not doctors, we're not nurses. But you know what? If you're having a bad day, walk into a buns and I guarantee you you'll leave a little bit happier you know because that is what we have the culture of that we want to make a difference so I think as we grow and what we're opening around 20 sites this year um, and I don't have any concerns around the side of maintaining that culture and getting like-minded people that will drop a note into a delivery and will want to do that now of course I think you need to, to put some rules around it because some people's humour and some people's <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it could be uh, a bit dangerous and what people do with the best intentions may not be well received by everyone. So I think that there does need to be a little bit of conversation around it. But I think you've got to trust your teams and you've got to organically say, this is what you can do. These are the perimeters. Um, and yeah, you know, off, off you go and use your common sense. If you've made too many buttons, you want to give one out for free, it's absolutely fine. But what you can't start doing is, you know, giving away 12 buns for free. Yeah. At the time, you've got to add some sort of buns. Thank you, Ray. You've ordered one, it's 12 for free. Best thanks thing ever. Thanks coming in for a coffee this morning. <laughs> so, um, you know, that means you, you've got to engage with your own your own people so that they can deliver something to your your customers. So people, again, become, become a, an important part of the equation. 
I think that's what you're saying. Um, and forgive me for being a bit slow on the uptake. Yeah, no, look, people is everything. In our business, our number one priority, other than safety, of course, it's safety, but it's people. People touch every part, as you said earlier on. You've got to think in the whole journey of delivery, when you look at the aggregators, you've got the, the, the customer, so you have the guest, and then you have the restaurant, you have the delivery driver, and then you have the aggregator partner. Now, that customer has got a lot of responsibility because they have to pay to make sure three people in this chain make money out of it. You know, we know it's a challenge to make the PNL work when you're looking at delivery and you're looking at it across because, as I say, there's three people that need to profit off of one consumer on every transaction. So I just think we, we have to, there's people involved in all of this. Um, and then it goes back to making the experience special because the customer and a guest deserves for it to be special, um, considering the extra cost that's involved because of the economics and the model. Let's get back to the rider in a minute, if we can. But I, I just want to say something to our listeners directly, and that is that we're so grateful for all of you out there who tune in regularly for this podcast. Without you, we're just a bunch of guys and gals talking to each other in a recording studio. And so if you're enjoying the show, please consider supporting us by leaving your five-star rating. Uh, those ratings and reviews mean the world to us and help more people discover our content. And it's the best way to show your appreciation for the hard work that the Delivery World team, the Avico team, and our fabulous guests put into each and every episode. So hit that five-star button and uh, let's get on, uh, carry on with the show. Um, I, I said before that uh, I'd just like to return to the rider because this is the person who has the most, if you like, sort of transactional place in the whole process. He, it's usually a he, picks up the stuff, whatever it is, the order, delivers it, and usually wants to get away for the next one. Um, so how, do, how, you know, what things can riders do or drivers do um, to bring some personal um, feeling into this process as well? Look, it's, it's a really hard job, first of all, when you actually look at the job of a rider. Um, and some restaurants cater really well for delivery. There are special areas that the riders can go into and there's areas that they can sit. I mean, some teams have even say, do you want a coffee? Like, have a coffee on us, you know, and really get that relationship going. And then there are some places where you're walking in, there's guests looking at you, you know, you're just in the way. The team don't really want you there because, you know, so it, it's a really hard job. You know, in any customer facing, you know, going to someone's door and you can sort of throw their food at them or you can be like, hey, how are you? Here's your food. Have a beautiful day or have a beautiful evening or happy Christmas or whatever you're going to say. So it's, it's again, just being a human, isn't it? It's just being that personable human. So riders can make all the difference. But as a brand, how can we impact that? I think we can look after the riders. We can identify that it's, it's a hard job, right? In snow, rain, sleet. You know, 40 degree temperatures, they're out on the bikes, they're out, you know, delivering our food to the best of their ability. And I, I just think it's, it could be quite a thankless job when I look at it from their perspective. So I think taking that into account and what can we do to impact them and make them potentially, you know, deliver for us even better is I think we look after them. And then the love that you show will probably, they'll be like, ah, oh, you, you've got buns from home. I love buns from home. Or they'll make some comments because you always look after them versus all the other the other brands and competitors. Uh, and do you give them buns? Yeah, sometimes we do. Yeah, absolutely. 
So we, we, I mean, my, my big thing is around sustainability and wants to hate any kind of weights, especially at the end of the day. Um, and a, a part of our baking schedules as the day goes through. So we will give out to, um, yeah, all, all the people that we call our, our partners and anyone that is doing delivery for us, anyone that's turning up, they're working alongside us. So they're a partner. So absolutely, they can always grab a coffee in a bun. It's really important to me and to the brand that we, we harbour that sort of relationship. It's interesting what you say about the riders, drivers, walkers, is they are people, coming back to Peter's point earlier, they're, they're people that, oh, are they given enough respect in the whole process? Probably not, if I'm honest. Um, and that's by both an operator, but also by a consumer. A consumer would open the door, grab their food, close the door, no interaction. Actually, like you've just said, is if everyone, every restaurant and every site treated that driver just that little tiny bit better but also the consumer did they're happy in their job and a happy person in their job then breathes positivity and it could actually help this whole aggregator circle because we'll go over it a million times around aggregators but the rider is so important without the rider it doesn't work you can have all the platforms in the world you can have all the restaurants in the world if you haven't got someone to go from a to b it doesn't work um, yeah, I, you can be trite about that, though. You can say, well, every every party, everybody is part of the, the um, chain, if you like. But when you're working in a kitchen, if you can't do that particular job for that particular moment, somebody else leaps in and does it, and the customer doesn't know. Uh, it's It all happens. Um, but with a rider, when, when the rider's out in the, the sleet or the snow or the sunshine or whatever it is... Um, They've got to do the whole whole thing, so um, yes, they are special. Yeah, they re- they really are, and I think it's been identified more, and also not so much on the rider, but I guess on the flow and the process. I spoke a bit a moment ago about people are building for delivery now. They're building delivery entrances, you know, restaurants and bars and um, quick service retail. People are thinking about it at the very build process. Ten years ago, that was never the case. You've opened 12 stores, as you just told us, and you've got a whole load more in the pipeline, which is fantastic. Are you building specially to Delivery areas. So in some of the sites, our model is some of ours is kiosks. So we have 100 square foot kiosks, so it isn't quite relevant. And our bigger hubs, um, yes, where, where they're big enough, we don't do dine-in, so we're takeaway only. So we are a takeaway business, um, primarily. But yet, where it's appropriate, we have different entrances. We do deliveries ourselves. Um, we do it on e-cargo bikes, and we have separate entrances for all of our own deliveries and our own e-cargo bikes. So yes, we do build separate entrances because we don't want to disrupt the the guest journey. And is that because at the minute you're very London centric, you can do that and offer that own delivery service, or is it actually because you're in control then? You haven't got one of the aggregators. To- keeping all the data you know who's buying it where you're delivering it to what you're doing with it how they've been looked after is that the reason behind it that is the reason behind it and you manage your economics you can manage everything about it and data right i mean when i was at leon i would have given literally my arm maybe both of my arms and even a leg (laughs) to get my data but my goodness how valuable that would have been um, I mean, we use Deliveroo now. So Deliveroo, if you're listening, I'd, I'd love my data for, for Bunch of Home. I'll keep you in Bunch Every other operator also <laughs> would like their data, as they tell us every Everyone time. wants their data. So I now get to keep the data. I get to manage the whole process. 
I get to make sure the riders are looked after, that they're, that they're trained, um, because the roads are dangerous out there, right? Uh, but like, it, it, it's it's stuff like that that I now think about more so because I have my own riders. So I really appreciate the hard work that goes into it. And I, I know that I can make a difference to them and that I can keep them a little bit safer. But also economically, it makes sense. Now, yes, we are London-based. We continue, we will continue this year to be London-based or 2022 that we're going to open will be London um, and if we do any franchise abroad that will be a different territory so that will be something that we'd have to pick up whenever we got over there when we go out of London of course that then becomes a separate challenge which I don't necessarily have the answer for right now I'm just being honest but um, right now our view is that we, we do have delivery partners you know I think even when you look at Papa John's and you look at Domino's and they're specialising in delivery. That's what their core being is. And all they do is delivery and they're partnered with delivery. They're partnered with Just Eat. So absolutely, I'm never going to say that, that the partners and the aggregators don't serve a purpose and a necessary purpose. Whether I like it or not, they serve a purpose. But yeah, we can do an element of, especially our corporate ordering, we do that ourselves. Um, so what? one of the things that the delivery um, companies do uh, uh, is actually capture the order they don't always not not all for all companies but what one of their important functions is to act as a marketplace to capture the order um which they do uh, well because they spend a lot of money on it um from their perspective um it's whether you whether the the customer actually orders from company a or company b in a sense doesn't make any difference as long as they're ordering but from the perception of company A or company B, it's important that they order from them. So um, you handling your process as much as you can, um, the, the whole delivery process as much as you can, how do you capture your order? So you order through an app and we would capture it into our POS system. Uh, so the you, you would actually um, order through what one of the named... Um, um, delivery companies. So you can order through one of the names delivery companies or you can go onto our website and that will then go through to our POS directly so we don't go into an aggregator. So there are two ways that you can order with us. R right, yeah. I, okay, so um, yeah, that's I understand the process. If but, you know buttons, but you know if you know, don't know buttons, but, that's where delivery just eat have got that whole as an um, aggregator monopoly on the market because they might go Oh, look at that bun's at home. Sounds good. I'm going to order it. But actually, once they have ordered it, they now know you. And this is where your bit is clever, isn't it? Because they can then order from you directly next time. Yeah, absolutely. Because they know about you. And there are some locations that you can't and, and you go through and the guest experience, the guest journey is, is, is very similar. You wouldn't really know as a guest where, where, where it's going, like where you're ordering from at, what, at certain points. But, yeah, de like delivery aggregates play a huge, huge part, you know, and as I say, especially because we are a brand that everyone doesn't know who we are. Um, and the algorithm's very important. You know, you want to get on the right side, you want to be exclusive so you can be higher up on the algorithm um, and and then you get seen. And I guess that's when you go into the argument of dark kitchens. That's when you can test and learn in new territories. So for instance, when we go out of London, what may be a sensible business option to do is, okay, let's do a dark kitchen in Brighton, one in Birmingham, one in Manchester, one in Edinburgh. Dark kitchen would be very easy to run. We can use the delivery platforms to support us. And then we can see 
what the typical what, what the take ups like. You know, where are we going to be successful the most? So, and delivery it facilitates that rather than having to put capex for a bricks and mortar. You can use a dark kitchen and delivery to test and learn in different territories. Okay. Very useful for that. With the cost of um, setting up a small unit, because you said some of them are kiosks. So if you went to Brighton and you set up a kiosk, is there a big, big difference between setting up a kiosk that people can see with their eyes and using an aggregator's dark kitchen? Is is there a big cost difference there? Because is it visual then and it's people again buying people? I think the big or... difference is probably the rent and the rates. Uh, right, we're okay. very low uh, capex, so... For us, it isn't. And the big part of us is is the smell. If you've been into a bunch from home, you will smell it before you see it. And then that's a, a huge part. And what you don't get from a screen is you don't get the smell. You can't smell this beautiful bacon. I wish you could. Um, but you can't. So I'm not saying delivery is ever going to, to take over. We wouldn't open sites. I just think it's great for testing and learning and yeah. getting data in a cheaper more safeguarded way that probably when you take it to the ball they'd be far more you know happy to sign off and i'm lucky as i say because my capex i'm not you know 500 grand for a full service restaurant i'm very low capex a kiosk i can do in 25 30 grand so it's low risk for us the supply chain for us is the issue because we're talking about you know freshly baked goods and croissant dough that takes three days to laminate and make so i have slightly different challenges to what your qsr would have but it doesn't change the fact that to test and learn, and if you want to test and learn quickly, you haven't got to go through heads of terms and finding a location and doing all your homework. Is it the right corner of the street? You need to be 100 metres down. You know, you can go into a dark kitchen and just test an area very, very quickly and be very, very nimble about it. But the, the, the downside of that is you have no presence. So, customer, if you go into a new area and you don't tell anybody, nobody knows you exist, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Um, so you've, you've got to be doing things about talking to customers. And that's when your marketing it absolutely comes in, and that's when you become reliant on the aggregator. You become reliant on their marketing and their reach because they hold the power and they hold the key to all of their data, so you need them to support you, and then it's taken out of your hands um, as such because obviously you can do all the local marketing for your team, but... You need the aggregator to make that work. And you sound you sound fairly relaxed about that. Um, it may not be ideal, but it's a necessary way of working. Or are there ways of improving it from your perspective? Um, I, I, I don't like, I wouldn't choose, and we've already discussed to have you know, an aggregator having so much data that I can't see and so much power. But you've also got to be realistic about the way the world, and it's how the world is right now, I think there are people that are trying to challenge the big aggregators and, and trying to to get brands on. Um, the, you know, it, it's going to be a, a longer cycle, I think, to do that. I think it would have improved in the future. I think service charges have to change in the future. I, I think the economic model has to improve at some point um, down the line. But I, I don't have all the answers on this, but I, I don't know how sustainable it is... Um, going forward long term without the customer and consumer being the person because as I say they're the one that has to pay for everything I think that that's um, actually a tremendous summary and, and I say that because I think we're beginning to um, see the um, end point of this discussion coming along so which is a great shame because I think we can carry on for another couple of hours at least definitely uh, it's, um, 
what did you show though, Peter? Is uh, what number is this now? I forget. Number ten podcast is how complex delivery is, and I think we've today really unearthed some of those what seem so simple are definitely far from. Um, absolutely. Um, so I've got a question for Shireen, which is: um, Is there anything that you haven't said that you feel you would like to say at this particular? Uh, moment without starting a, a, another podcast yeah no just thank you so much for having me and I'm a massive supporter of delivery I think it plays a really important role and I think there's far more positives than there are challenges and I think you know the point of of this conversation is to talk about the challenges but not to forget all the amazing positive things and the joy that you can bring and you can reach so many more people from delivery so I just think as an industry um, we will all make each other better and it's exciting. I think it's exciting times ahead. Uh, it, it, agree. No, I, I agree. And um, it's a process that works um, and it relies on people at, at all levels, as, we, as we've talked about, customers, people in the kitchen, people serving, riders, even people in the delivery companies. Um, they're all important in, in this whole um, uh, area of delivery. Um, so... I've I've just got a sort of a, a question, which is that um, we're we're coming to the end, but we call ourselves the delivery profits. So maybe we, sh we should have a go at prophecy. Um, so any thoughts on the future uh, of delivery? Is it going to change, or is it the way that it's set up now? Is it broadly going to carry on like that for some time? Crikey, I think it will broadly carry on as it has been uh, for some time. That's what I think. I think you will just see more operators putting more effort behind it. I think more people are going to be getting teams that focus on delivery. They're going to be looking. I think you're going to see less people being exclusive. Right. So does that mean that some companies who don't want to put the effort into it won't won't be doing delivery and some companies who do see do want to put the effort into it perhaps because they see the the potential outcome they're they're going to be around so the world of uh, restaurant stroke delivery will split into two those who do it and engage with it and those who choose not to i think you'll you'll get people that will do it and do it well and it will be a profitable part of their PL, and you'll get people that will just let it organically float along and it just won't be that amazing i don't think they just suddenly won't do it i just think they'll just sit at the bottom of the pack when you're looking at best in class in delivery they, they just won't be the people that speaking about right so if more and more people uh, more and more companies are focusing on delivery or uh, yes that there will be more companies who really focus on delivery um and they're going to it the, the outcome of what you're saying is they're going to drive out those companies that don't focus on delivery. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think what you'll see is people will use delivery in dark kitchens to launch businesses as well. I think there's going to be some really successful businesses in the future that, that were born in a dark kitchen. And I think that's okay because economically, that potentially will make the best sense for that business's story. And that's about time as well, isn't it? How times change. Because if we look back 10 years, some of the good brands out there started in a pub kitchen where, where they just had the pub food, they were doing that, and they've built to two or three, and all of a sudden they've got their own bricks and mortar. Delivery 
is actually just a modern version of that. Yeah. And it, as I say, it's, it's again the positive of what it can facilitate that someone, you know, that has a dream of, of, of starting up their own sushi rolls or starting up their own burger brand, they can go into a dark kitchen. It can be affordable. You know, they haven't got to sign a 10-year lease with the Shaftesbury Estate. And mm. they can they can go in and try and make their dreams come true. And if they try really hard and they, they have a brilliant product, it might just work. And then that's how we get these amazing new brands that we're then going to see on our high streets in the years to come. I think that's a, a great point on which which to um, sort of wrap up this conversation. Um, I'm, I'm sorry, but we're running out of time. Um, so uh, if anybody wants to find out about Buns From Home, what do they do? Oh, so we are on Instagram. So our handles are Buns From Home. We are on TikTok. We are um, on the web. Uh, com, and we are all over London so come and visit us uh, great and and from what you were saying before it's not only London it's going to be outside London and it's going to be around the world yeah we, we're we gonna we're gonna bake the world over one bite at a time we uh, go we're gonna be everywhere we'll be global pizza before you know it uh, well I'm looking I'm really looking forward to that <laughs> and and uh, in our small way hopefully we, we've we're helping you on that uh, that process so um Oh, absolutely. And thank you so much again for having me. Thank you. Thank Brian. you. No, that, it's really us who should be thanking you for taking time out of your busy schedule today. So, um, Shireen, all, all the very best. And here's a reminder that whether you're a delivery company, a marketplace app, a technology company, a restaurant owner, an investor, or simply someone who just loves to order takeout, the delivery dot world and the delivery profits is the perfect way to stay informed and ahead of the curve in the world of food delivery. You'll find the delivery profits on Spotify, Apple, Google, or the other places where you normally get your podcasts. And as I said before, please support the show by leaving your five-star rating. There's more at www.thedelivery.world forward slash the delivery profits. Tune in to the next edition of The Delivery Profits for the insights, interviews and analysis that will keep you ahead of the game in this evolving industry. So it's goodbye from today's Delivery Profits. That's Shireen and John and me. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.